How do you want to be remembered as an artist? I would feel most accomplished and, and happy within myself if people remembered me as honest and relatable. I just hope that people, when they see me, they, they feel my heart and they hear my words and they're, it's something that they can relate to. What's up? It's your boy, DJ Omowski. I'm chilling here with Wallisi and Tony Mass. We have a very special guest. She is from Long Island, an actor and a singer, Raquel Castro. What's up, Raquel? What's going on? How are you doing? Good. How are you? How, How are you know? feeling after uh, the big win? Oh, I'm, I'm walking, walking on clouds right now. Been, it's been quite a day, quite a crazy 24 hours, but I'm loving every second of it. Really just trying to take it all in. We had a chance to watch the episode and I think it's, you know, obviously I want to go into the song and your, your creative process, but I think, you know, I, we're big fans of songwriting in general, but there was a lot of good talent on that episode. So to, for you to come out on top, I think you're you know obvious favorite, although we're from Long Island and we're rooting for you anyway. So we're a little bit uh, biased. <laughs> little biased. But, but um, I thought that the other three were very talented as well. So I, that says a lot about you. I appreciate that. I felt the same way. I mean, going into it, you never know, like, what kind of people you're going to be with when it comes to this industry and, and the vibes you're going to get from them. And the moment that I met these guys, um, we just instantly clicked. They're just such good, down-to-earth people and um, just amazingly talented. So I was just grateful to be in their presence and um, – yeah, it was it was just such a cool experience, and it yeah. was amazing. You had a chance to work with her. She took your song, and she's amazing. She's a Grammy, you know, winner. And uh, I know that in previous uh, interviews, you said that you know she's one of the people that inspire you. So how cool was that for you to you know have collaborated with her? It was mind blowing because when I first kind of entered the process of applying for Songland, um, I just started pitching a bunch of songs that I've written for myself or just songs that just kind of came out, out of me over the years. And then when I found out that they were choosing wrong places and I flew to LA, I still had no clue who I was pitching to. Um, so when I found out that it was her, I was just so excited. Um, I was nervous cause I was like, I'm going to be in her presence. And like, I've watched interviews of hers and just like performances and she's just, she's so poised. She's so cool. She's so just, she has this presence about her. And, um, I was excited because I, I felt like this song specifically, even when I first wrote it, like she was someone in the back of my mind where if I didn't do it myself, I could see an artist like her doing that, uh, pun intended. But um, yeah, it's just, it was wild. Ryan Tedder has been a huge inspiration to me. I mean, he's a legend in this industry. Um, so my nerves were, were in full effect before yeah. I walked into that room. But I keep saying that the, the producers just made it so comfortable. Um, Esther, Shane, everyone just had such a beautiful soul on the show and um, her as well. So it was just such a cool process. Like I was just trying to take in every moment, even like the studio session with Ryan Tedder. Me as a songwriter, like a little bit more on like my background, I, I started as a young 
child actress. And that's kind of where I've had most of my success. So I, I am somewhat new to the songwriting game. I did start about 10 years ago, but it's really been hard for me to kind of find my, my niche and my way in. Um, so I kind of felt like the underdog going into this. And uh, it was just, I just feel so, so blessed. And I, the adrenaline, the adrenaline just kind of took over. But um, yeah. yeah. Your approach as far as, so you say taking it all in, like you really just, it's kind of like a surreal moment as opposed to looking at it like a competition where it's like, I got to get this right. You think in the long run, like that's what kind of benefited you is your approach and your poise. I feel like going into it, I didn't even look at, I didn't look at it as a competition. And yeah. I think because number one, I fell in love with the other songwriters on the show. And there was just that genuine connection between all of us that we all wanted each other to win. Like, and that was like, I'm not just that's, saying that. Like, we genuinely loved each other. So it, it was a, it was a win-win situation for me. I was, you know, I was looking at it as, at it, at, I was looking at it as, I'm going on the show. It's a huge platform. I've never ever come close. I've never came close to having this opportunity in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take it for what it is. And, and if I move forward, great. And if I don't, but there, there's three other songwriters that are so talented and deserve this opportunity, you know, just as much as I do. So that's kind of the mentality that I had going into it. And that also is a way for me to calm down my anxiety going in and just knowing that it's in God's hands and whatever's meant to happen will happen. And, uh, this is just all, all part of part of the plan. So. Yeah. Awesome. And Raquel, you mentioned that you started off as a, a child actress and you know, that kind of led you up to this point. Uh, all these paths have led to, you know, obviously you winning uh, Songland, which is amazing. Can you talk, I know you probably talked about this a million times, but getting starting and in, in acting, uh, you know, from what we've heard from you in previous interviews, you said, you know, looking back at yourself, you can't help but smile. And uh, can, do you remember some of the, those moments of meeting celebrities like J-Lo and Ben Affleck? Yeah, I mean, Jersey Girl changed my life. And um, I remember I was sitting in the, uh, you guys might know where this is, since we're all Long Island natives here, yes. this is great. Um, I was sitting in the library parking lot at the Century Library. Oh, like, I know where that is. Yeah, with the, yeah. With the colorful tree. We and actually went there. They yeah. made it kind of like a fish library or something. I, I, they ended up doing construction to it. Okay. Um, but my mother and I used to go there a lot. We used to like take out movies and books. And so um, we were in the parking lot when my manager called me at the time and, and let me, she, she was letting us know that I booked Jersey Girl. And I'll never forget that moment. Like my mom and I were just screaming in the car and it, you know, I was so young and I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. I just knew that I loved what I was doing. It never felt like work to me. And it was just so much fun. So, um, you know, I didn't know who Ben Affleck was at the time. I was seven <laughs> years old. Like, I, didn't, I knew who J-Lo was though, because she's pretty much what inspired me to want to be in this industry. Um, and, I remember meeting Ben, I was like super cool laid back because I'm like, oh, there's this like really tall, cute guy, you know, I was seven years old, <laughs> crushing on Ben Affleck. <laughs> and uh, but then I remember he was dating Jennifer Lopez at the time. So when I first met her, we would do like a table read before we started filming to kind of adjust, you know, being that I'm a kid, everyone kind of has to, you know, get used to each other and get to know each other. And then introduced me to Jennifer and I was just like starstruck. Like I, I could barely talk. He wanted me to sing for her. 
and I we celebrated Ben Affleck's 30th birthday there. I sat on Jennifer Lopez's lap and we sang happy birthday. And, you know, like reminiscing on those moments, it's still, I still like kind of find myself like, wow, I can't believe that I had those opportunities at such a young age. Like it, it's sometimes it, it, I forget and it's just, yeah. it's really cool to kind of sit back and, and really, you know, time travel back to, to those days because they really did change my life. And it's crazy too, because I was actually looking it up and, and you were on Law and Order. You were in a music video with Ludacris. You were in, <laughs> like you, you've been killing it since a young age. Yeah, yeah, Ludacris, the, the runaway love video. That was cool. That yeah, was yeah. Mary J. I got to meet Luda. I got to meet Mary J. It was it was a fun time. Did you real? I mean, like, I'm sure I'm sure it's like kind of the same situation. But did you like did you like know like how how big these people were at an age like that, or was just kind of like I'm in the music video. It's cool. I think um, I think if I was like if it was now and I was in a Ludacris Mary J. Blige video, I'd be like, oh my. But I was still so, I think I was like maybe, I want to say 10 or 11 when I did that, that video. And I just think when you're that age, like it just, it's hard to like understand the reality of it and really appreciate that moment. You know, even when I did publicity for Jersey Girl, they flew me, you know, to, to Japan and London and like, I was so young and, and it was fun for me, but it just, I, I, in a way I wish I was experiencing that now. And that's why I'm so excited for this next chapter of my career because it's been such a long journey to get here and I've been so blessed this far and you know along with that comes a lot of those moments where you're questioning yourself so the platform that Songline gave me just really helped me find validation in myself and and my vision that I've had for so long yeah and um, looking back, and you had, uh, I think you were eight or nine years old, you were in an interview with Ryan, a young Ryan Seacrest, and obviously you were young yourself. And I was watching that, and for like, an, when I was eight years old, I was like hiding behind my backpack. I'm just so amazed at the fact that you were able to like- in, Form a sentence, yeah. <laughs> a whole sentence, exactly. So like, when you look back on that, are you, are you shocked, or you just, you just remember those moments being so fun, where you were like so out of it, or what was your thoughts looking back at that? I think I definitely take a second to look back on those moments every now and then just to kind of remind myself because it's so easy to get lost in the voices in your head telling you that you're not good enough or, you know, yeah, that was great back then. It's never going to happen again. And mm -hmm. I just think whenever I have those moments is kind of when I will go back and do the research of just looking up the videos and how much I, I really have accomplished at such a young age. Um, I wish I, I had that, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I, I wasn't jaded at that point. I was just so new to the industry and I was just going with the flow and everything was just, you know, great and dandy. But now as a 25 year old woman, um, this process can definitely take a toll on you and it definitely, you know, affected my self-esteem and the way I looked at myself and, and my confidence. And um, so I, I kind of like to to check back with that little girl, you know, nine-year-old Raquel, whenever I feel like I need that extra boost of confidence and just um, that reassurance of this is where I belong. And it's been a long road, but it's, you know, this is just the beginning of a new chapter. 
hundred percent with, you know, child actors, you know, you see like everyone talks about how, you know, it starts out great. And then you kind of go through these windy roads of, I guess when you're a little kid, you're kind of protected from the uh, getting denied from certain gigs because, you know, either your parents or guardians are kind of blocking that from your, your psyche at that point. But then as you grow up and your maybe your expectations were to, for things to come a little bit easier, it could be a little bit stressful. So I've heard that you've worked through those types of things to get to this place, of course, where you are right now, but it's a lot of work to get to that place, especially when you come off such a high at a young age. Of course. And like, you know, I, I, I'm so blessed for the opportunities that I've been given over the years. And then, you know, but there's, there's definitely times like, after Jersey Girl, not many people know. I've spoken in, in a few different interviews about it, but um, I was offered a Disney Channel show. Um, so at the time, it was before Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus, and they were looking for a Latina to be on the network. And that's kind of when I was, you know, I was on top with Jersey Girl, and I was doing the whole uh, talk show circuit. And um, so I remember flying out to California with my mother, we sat at this long table with executive producers and they were, you know, just kind of getting to know me and my personality and, and in hopes of them creating a show around me. Right. And like at nine, 10 years old, I just, I told my mother that I didn't want to do that. And I didn't want to move to California. I didn't want to be tutored because I, you know, coming off of Jersey girl, I was tutored for, you know, those three months. And then when we would be traveling to do promotion, I was tutored on the road and, I just wanted to be a regular kid. Right. And I definitely have moments now where I know that if I would have went down that road, my life would be completely different. And, 100%. you know, I could have been possibly in, in the shoes of a, a Selena Gomez. Um, but at the same time, I always try and, and tell myself not to regret the decision that I made because if I would have stayed on that path that I was, you know, with Jersey Girl, I was on cloud nine. I was a nine-year-old flying first class to different <laughs> countries. You know, like it was, it was this whole new reality for me that I thought was real. And along with that, you know, people spoiled me. So I definitely had like bratty moments and this and that, like I remember. <laughs> and if I would have stayed on that path, I don't think that I would have the values that I have today and be the person that I am today. Um, so I'm grateful for all the lessons that I've had through you know, this roller coaster of a journey. And I, I'm a strong believer in the universe. And I believe that God has a plan. And that's kind of what keeps me going in life is just that I am where I'm supposed to be. That's, that's where my, what my mother, my, my mother, <laughs> that's like I'm from Boston. That's what my mother. That's the Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. He used to get a kick. Cause when I was younger, I had a crazy Long Island accent like that. And my agency would always be on me. That's so, I, I hope that I've, lost a little bit of it um but that's what my mother always taught me was you are where you're supposed to be so never let your thoughts get the best of you and that's kind of what I've always that's what's kept me going you know this long yeah, there's definitely obviously pros and cons, and it could be stressful probably to think about the, the road that could have been, but ultimately, like you said, you've had some time, and it wasn't like you were doing nothing. You've had a lot of different things between Jersey Girl and uh, this moment in Songland, but you've had some time to you know be a young adult and be a, an adult now and kind of at, at your own pace. I feel like, you know, no 
much respect to the Disney World, but it's kind of like you're you're in at their mercy where there's so much going on, and it would have probably you know who knows. But like you said, it's it's one of those things where everything does happen for a reason. Sounds corny, but it's definitely true. I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but uh, you said something along the lines of on Songland that you know when you're singing or making music, that's when you're the happiest. Um, can you talk about that? Because, you know, let's talk about your transition from, you know, being an actress to songwriting and singing. I think, um, and, and I meant that with my entire heart when I said, when I said that when I'm songwriting or singing like that, that makes me feel whole and it does make me feel my best self and my happiest. I meant that with all my heart. Um, I just know, I think I knew this is really what I wanted to do because I felt what it was like to not be working and not be creative. And the moment that I wrote a song or I got to be in the studio and, you know, record something that I've written or do, even if it's just like cover songs or whatever it is, I just think it's the atmosphere in itself. And that adrenaline, it's, it's like this adrenaline rush high that I feel every time I walk out of the studio. And there's nothing in this world that's ever made me feel like that. You know, you can compare it to relationships, to, to anything in life. And that's how I knew that I need to do this because that's how I know I'm going to be the happiest. And I really believe, you know, money is great. And that's, you know, obviously we all need to, to, to live and pay the bills, but it's not about that for me. It, it really is the feeling that I get when I'm doing these things, when I write that song and um, with acting, and I love acting too. It's, it's, a, it's another great part of me, but it's different because you're telling somebody else's story and you're pretending to be somebody else at the end of the day. And while that's great because you can tune into your own emotions and experiences to, to execute that, it's, it's just a different feeling that you get from it. And I feel more confident when I'm sharing my own story and it's more therapeutic for me. Like it does, it does more good for me. Um, releasing music and just, you know, being able to use my voice in that way. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, like you said, it, you said it perfectly. Um, you get most fulfillment when you're kind of being creative from your own mind and you get to kind of put the words on paper that kind of tells your story. So you're not only, you know, writing the script for yourself, you're getting to, you know, uh, carried it out through music, which is, is amazing. Um, when you first kind of uh, put together a full song, did you put it on YouTube or what was the first kind of time you put it, your first song out to the public? So the songwriting process for me started after I did The Voice. So I was 16 years old. It was season one of The Voice. I made it to the top 16 on Christine Aguilera's team, who is actually another I feel just very blessed because throughout my career, I've been able to work with so many of my like inspirations that are, have been these crazy, just like figures throughout my entire life and career. Um, Christina Aguilera being one of those people. So um, after I did The Voice, I was introduced to one of my great friends to this day. He's like a brother to me. Uh, his name is Donnie Klang. He's actually from Long Island as well. And he was on Making the Band with P. Diddy back in the day on MTV. So he has a studio out in Long Island called the Lost Sound Studio. And I remember um, a mutual friend brought my mother and I up to the studio. We met and again, hit it off instantly. So I would go there twice a week, once a week. And we would just kind of write songs, do covers, just be creative. And 
I remember telling him that I had this idea for a song called Roller Coaster. And I use that word a lot because I describe it in my life, in my career, but it was also how I would describe the relationship that I was in. So I was, from for like seven years, I was in this crazy relationship that was just a big roller coaster. So it had a double meaning to me because I wanted it to sound like I was talking about the relationship, but also to me, I was speaking about the industry and my love for the industry. And actually, not that I would ever relate myself to Eminem, but <laughs> like he did that with, um, what's the song that he did? Uh, like he was married to the music. He made it sound like he was talking about a girl, but he was talking about the industry. Um, I'm having a brain fart. Tony, you're a music guy. You should know this. Ah, I, know. I should know this. It'll, <laughs> it'll come to me, but like that's kind of like where I was going at the age of 16. Um, and so he sent me a track. That night I wrote the song, just literally stayed up until four o'clock in the morning and then woke up the next day and showed my mom and dad. And that was the first time that I showed them a song that I wrote from start to finish by myself. And they were really impressed. And I was really impressed. Like I still sometimes listen to it. And I'm like, wow, like where, where did that come from? I was proud of myself. Um, that we never released, unfortunately. A lot, I have a lot of stuff that I've written and just don't have released. Um, the first song that I released that I wrote was called Young and Dumb. So that was when I was, I want to say I was 20 years old when I released that. And I had just come off the show Empire on Fox. Yeah. So we kind of did that like cross promo and, you know, it was, it was the first time that I was again on a big platform since The Voice. So that, you know, that did cool. It was on Sirius XM and like a few stations on there. Um, and it was fun. It was like this super pop song. Definitely not where I am at all at this stage <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a catchy tune. And it was just, you know, it, it showed where I was in that, in that point in my life. Yeah. But, How was that working on Empire? Because I was going to ask you that you were on a few episodes with them. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a powerhouse of a show. No point intended. But that's, their, uh, that's a fun show. Yeah, it was great. Um, I love Taraji P. Henson. Yes. Cookie. She... She is incredible. Just what you see is what you get with her. And I, I, I love that because being in the industry for so long, I've come across so many people that you, you see them on TV and then you meet them and you're like, damn, I'm so disappointed. Like, <laughs> and she's, not, she's definitely not one of those people. She is just such a sweet soul. Um, and Empire came at a great time in my life. I was at this point, like I was, I was 19, 20 and I was working in a hair salon, just trying to make money and pay my bills and figure out my life. Yeah. Uh, and I swear to you, I was probably down to like the last $150 in my bank account, like just going paycheck to paycheck. And then all of a sudden I auditioned for this show and I found out that I got it. And then that helped me financially so much like it really felt like a gift from God because I was just so lost and so stressed and just ready again to just like give it up and completely take a different career path and then empire happened yeah. um and that's happened a lot through my life like the moment the moment I'm about to be broke or just lose my mind something happens and, and it takes me right out of that. So, um, sounds like someone's trying to tell you like, you're probably doing the right thing. So. 
I, I really Maybe you're really bad at doing hair. hair. I don't know, but <laughs> I've been trying to stick with that voice. It's what's been getting me through, honestly. And that's just the complete honest truth. Yeah, and that's a big lesson too, where it's like you're at those moments where it's like all or nothing. And when you kind of you're you know, following your dreams and you're you're confident in yourself, you know, to follow through, you know, don't give up in those moments, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So those, yeah, those are some of those, those big milestones that you took you to this moment uh, for Songland. But I want to talk about Long Island. Obviously, we're all from Long Island here. So let's let's talk about Long Island food. What's your what, favorite? Pie, what part are you guys from? Where, what, we, went to, we went to Sage Okay, cool. All three of you guys? Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. So I went to Newfield High School. I went to okay. St. Anthony's my first year uh, for freshman year. I left after two months. Did not like it. <laughs> you, weren't into it. you weren't into it, I'm guessing. The, the, uni the uniform life? I got bullied there because, like, oh I guess people started the rumor, Jersey girls in our school, and <laughs> people were just not nice. So I left, and I went back to, to Newfield with my friends that I grew up with. Yeah. Obviously, Long Island typically is, like, known for their, their pizza spots and bagels. And you anywhere you go, you always miss that when you're away from Long Island for a long part of time. What is your, what's your favorite pizza spot? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's so many. Well, um, that's the good thing in Long Island. Like, anywhere you go, I, you're not going to get bad pizza, so. Yeah, like, uh, well, the Little Vincent's in Huntington. I experienced the cold cheese pizza there. Yes. I loved it. Um, then, like, honestly, the pizza place that I grew up going to is, like, we had the OTB, which is Old Town Bagels, because I live, like, right near well, I grew up, I lived right near Old Town Road. Yeah. Um, so we would always go there for bagels, and then right next door was Old Town Pizza, I'm pretty sure. It was like in the, in, there was like the Brothers chain of pizzerias or something like that. Oh, yes, yes. Um, the Brothers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would always go to that one. Um, just just Long Island pizzas and, and bacon, egg, and cheeses. Oh, <laughs> There's nothing yes. like it. I remember being in Los Angeles and like they just, it's just, oh man, it's so hard to find good pizza. <laughs> Definitely no bagels in LA though. No, no way. It's like kale wraps and seaweed. <laughs> seaweed. Yeah, like seaweed <laughs> cereal or something. It's like weird. <laughs> Water and air is what they consider. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different people, whether it's like comedians, and I want to talk to you about that because you work with George Carlin. I don't know if you remember anything from him, but like he's like on the Mount Rushmore of, of stand-up comedians. So I'm super jealous of that. But it seems like as we go through this process and, you know, we're, we kind of highlight Long Island success stories in, in their industry, there's so many different uh, types of success stories. But I feel like there's something about Long Island in terms of shaping your personality, being around from here, uh, that kind of... Uh, put you on a platform to be successful. But have you noticed that like, Long Island people can survive personality-wise throughout the country? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love being from New York in general, like especially on the West Coast. I love saying I'm from the East Coast because I'm just like, you guys don't even, you guys don't even know. Like we're, you know, we're, we're just so real and raw. Like someone told me the first time I was in LA when I moved there and I was 18, um, they were like, in, in the East Coast, people well what oh my god what did they say i guess they'll they'll stab you here like you'll they'll know you'll mm. they'll make it known that they don't like you but in <laughs> la they're gonna stab yeah. you right in the back and, and and smile in your face um so i was always proud to be from from new york and especially long island i just i love seeing like the long island videos like i've seen so many like comedians like 
do those like funny skits of like what it's like to be from Long Island. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, I just think New York in general is just home. I, I, I love LA just for working purposes, but yeah. I just, I know that this is home and this is where I want to be at the, at, you know, when it, when it's all said and done. Yeah. So no, it's, it's not, it's not fun times right now. You know, people are locked, you know, hunkering down during quarantine. What do you, uh, anything interesting you're doing to keep busy as opposed to, you know, maybe we might think you're writing songs, but <laughs> you're not doing that. Have you taken up a new hobby? Um, so, so I actually made a post on my Instagram. This is such a girl thing, but <laughs> for so long, I've wanted to learn how to French braid hair. <laughs> Okay. So I looked up a YouTube video and like the first time I tried it, it was just a complete fail. But now I, I can learn, I learned how to French braid my hair. It's my new favorite hairstyle. So that's something I learned how to do in quarantine. Um, the French braid. Nice. The okay. French braid. <laughs> it's just something that I've always, it's like, it looks so hard, but once I got the hang of it, I'm like, I can't believe it took me years to actually get this skill. It looks intricate. It's like a little intimidating. It looks amazing when you see it's it. It's like, like origami. <laughs> um, I've also started, I restarted, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, another girly thing, but Gossip Girl. It's very chick flicky uh, series okay. on Netflix. Um, I don't know, like, I, and I have been writing songs. Like, I, I definitely, the first half of quarantine was very stressful for me just because it all just, like, everything just went to a pause and I was in the middle of trying to get so much stuff done and prepared for, for the airing of Songland. Um, I was working on a music video that we had to put on pause. We needed to kind of continue to shoot more, but we, you know, obviously couldn't because of social, di social distancing. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely hard for me to find the light in that. But as of recently, yeah, I've been writing, just relaxing, doing just girly stuff and yeah. trying to stay sane. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to stay sane because it's super stressful out there. I wanted to uh, ask you about your creative process. You know, we, you know, as a podcast, we're always writing like comedy skits and jokes and, you know, I'll be doing stand up hopefully when this all, you know, ends. Uh, but when you when you're sitting down to write, I don't know if you sit down to write or you're in. Do you have a certain location? Do you have a certain notebook? Like, is there certain little like nuances that you need to have when you're writing something, or you're kind of just free flowing? So my writing process is definitely uh, unique <laughs> because when I started writing, I wasn't, I didn't have the resources um, of working with producers consistently and. Yeah. Um, or, or even just people who, you know, musicians who play instruments. So I, I tried to pick up the piano. I would just kind of play by ear and figure out chords and get inspired that way. But really what, what I start with is storyline and concept. And a lot of the songs that I write are personal things that I've gone through. And that's, that's what, that's what inspires me the most. Yeah. Um, so it honestly comes to me in the most random times. Like usually when I'm either driving, I'm in the shower or like something will just come to me. Like it's usually when, and a lot of people say it, but when you're going through heartache and you're feeling like a lot of like pressure on a certain emotion or feeling. And that's what I think. Um, that's why I, I think my music is so honest because it really is everything that I've gone through. Um, I'm trying to think of like the process. It's so different. If, if I could sit at a piano, I'll sit down, I'll create chords and I'll start singing melodies. If I'm really feeling just like 
a certain emotion, certain just words will come to me. And I usually just use my phone and my notes and I'll start writing words down. And then as I'm doing that, I'll just create melodies over that. I rarely write to, to tracks. I usually just either write to nothing and create melody over nothing and then create the chords. Or um, as of recently, I'll have people send me chords to write to and people have been sending me more tracks with everything going on, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I felt like just because the way I started to learn how to songwrite, I, I did it backwards just because it was all in my brain. I didn't have really anyone to collaborate at the time. Yeah. In terms of your next steps, I know it's, it, this just happened, but are you planning to, are you going to stay around Long Island? Are you going to go to California? Do you have any, you know, future plans and what next steps are going to be for you? So um, my next step was to release a song of my own as an artist, just to kind of put more of my writing out there because anything that's out right now is either covers or completely outdated. Um, so I really wanted to get that out there just to kind of show more of me and, and what I like to say in my music. Um, the, the, the ideal situation would, you know, maybe get a publishing deal or, you know, get some interest from a record label because it's, it's definitely hard as an independent artist to, to fund the projects, whether it's yeah. videos or studio time or, you know, there's obviously, and I'm sure you guys know being, you know, a part of the industry, there's so much that goes into it. Um, so that would be great too. I've been trying to just keep an open mind and just, you know, be grateful for the opportunity and whatever is going to happen, you know, allow that to happen. Um, but I just want to continue. I think, I think the place that I'm in right now, as much as I love New York and love being in Long Island, I think there's, there's just more opportunity in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I think that for right now, that's probably where I should be to, get the most out of this experience and, and this platform. So, you know, obviously we're in quarantine right now and I can't yes. really travel. <laughs> <laughs> but once once this is all over, I think, you know, I'm definitely gonna have to sit down and just kind of say, all right, let's let's do this LA thing again. I went last year and I stayed for about like seven months out there. Yeah. Um and it was hard because again, I I I wasn't at that level where I can just get into studio sessions with people. I don't really have a management team helping me, you know, network and be in front of the right people. So it definitely, again, it helped. I, I don't, and I, I hate to say the word depression, but there's just a lot of emotions that, that happen and, yeah. you know, your mind plays tricks on you. And that's when I wrote wrong places when I was in that very just weird mental headspace. Um, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> it's a lot when for artistry, it's like the most amazing work comes from pain sometimes. So it's, you know, it's good to see that you've harnessed that pain into something that makes so many people happy. Um, was it about the relationship for, for wrong places or was it just a lot of, you know, different stress with the industry or just a bunch of different things that you, you put together in uh, one track? It was definitely um, a mixture of a lot of things. I think it definitely had to do with um, the relationship I had just gotten out of and also being in Los Angeles and being alone. I was staying in my friend's apartment. He was actually traveling season in the like film world. So he was working on a few different films while I was out there. So it's kind of like house sitting for him, but he gave me a place to stay. So I was just nice. in this big apartment in Studio City by myself and like, after being there for maybe two months, you know, I kind of going out got old and, you know, drinking with your friends and, you know, I wasn't working on music as much as I wanted to. And then yeah. I got very lonely. 
So I think all of those emotions just kind of came together and I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm very well aware that I'm in this vulnerable place right now, but that doesn't mean that I have to lower my standards or, or, you know, put myself in positions that I don't want to be in or, or settle for love that, you know, isn't worthy of me. Um, and that's kind of where wrong places kind of came about. It happened really quickly. Like once I started thinking about the idea of it, it kind of just all poured out. And I think that's when I write my greatest stuff is when it just feels so effortless. And that's how I know it's real. It comes out. It's just like, it's like you're writing in your diary. So yeah. A lot of people who watch the show, I always look at, because uh, I've been watching it since season one. I had a, a couple of people who I liked. I was going to ask you if you had some of the uh, favorite winners. I don't know if you've seen season one and two. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw, uh, so for season one, I love Sam DeRosa. She's from New York as well, from the East yeah. Coast. She had the song um, Pill for This. So she yep. pitched to uh, Charlie Poots, I believe it was. And um, I also love Abel Hart, the guy with pink hair for, for Jones. Yeah, Isn't he so good? That's Danny's guy. Danny loves yeah, him. He had just such this like electricity about him when he grew And he said it was his first time performing. He's a songwriter, but he's yeah. a star. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. And, uh, you know, I, that's why I like the show. First, I like to see the in- intricacies of like how to build a song or how a song comes from you know, a di- one place to another and the final product. I think that's such an interesting concept. Um, and then, yeah, with Abelhart, his voice, it just has like this, I don't know, it's, it has so many different like uh, levels of it. And yet we always compare people to people, but like, it reminds me of like a little bit of Post Malone. It reminds me of, I think uh, Esther Dean said it reminds her of like Travis Scott at the same time, but he has a lot of different like sounds and it's so unique where I love his music. He's, he's amazing. And then the person who was, who won right before you, that song was so catchy, Sway. Oh yeah. So Peepo Beats, actually we connected over Instagram and we've been in conversation about collaborating. He's based nice. in LA. Um, cause I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and Italian and I can sing in Spanish. I don't speak fluent Spanish, unfortunately, but we're hopefully going to work on that. <laughs> but, uh, we definitely want to create some really cool Latin music together. So Dope. I'm excited. He's, he's so cool. And like, he deserves, like he, he, again, he is a star as well. And I think he can completely take over the Latin community for sure. He has the look, he has it all. That's all. It's so, it was so catchy. And then it just worked uh, perfectly for uh, Luis Fonsi that, and I like what about the show is that it's previously recorded and they don't make us wait for the final product. You get it within like an hour or so. So. (laughs) Oh yeah. The moment the episode airs, it's out. Like the moment last night's episode was done. I literally was like, okay, wrong place. (laughs) And I listened to it and I was just like, oh my God. It just, so it's so surreal. It's, it's, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a songwriter's dream, just the whole process. Like, obviously, having your song cut by a major artist is a huge accomplishment, but the whole process of Songland and walking into the room and singing it in front of these people, like pouring your heart out in front of these people and, ha- and sharing your story with them, um, that's so rare. I mean, that's, it's unheard of to ever be able to do that, so... Um, yeah, I, I wish I could relive that over and over again. <laughs> there was a lot of blackout moments that happened just with like the adrenaline. I'm like, what did I say? How did I say that? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what a lot of people say, you know, why don't they keep the song? They don't, they're not like familiar with the process, but like, you know, when you're making amazing music, it's, it must be dream to, for if you're going to give up a song to, to give it to someone who's as amazing as her and you already 
you said she's one of your inspirations as well, but did you feel some type of way if they ever gave you any like feedback about changing the song? Is it, are you so protective of the song or you, because you're working with Ryan Tedder and he's amazing, you, you believed in his, you know, ideas as well? Of course, no, I definitely, I went into that room with an open mind and just yeah. completely humble into accepting any kind of criticism, constructive criticism that I got from them just, they're, they're legends. They've, they've had so much success. And yeah. that was a dream of mine, to be in a room with people of that caliber to help mold my song. Because I know, like, again, I'm, I'm still getting my foot in the door as a songwriter. And there's so much more that I want to learn. Yeah. Um, so I was just excited. Like, I wanted them to yeah. rip the song apart and be like, nope, <laughs> gotta change that, gotta change that. Because, like, I wanted to learn. Like, I really... When you sit with a song for so long, it's your baby and like you do get attached to it, but it's like, I always say like the, the songwriters will get like demoitis because we'll listen to it all the time and we'll think it's the greatest thing. Uh-oh, someone's coming in. <laughs> yeah, sorry, someone's home. <laughs> all good, all good. Um, no, but as songwriters, like we do, it's our baby and we get attached to it. But I think what makes a great song is just having different perspectives on it and being open to that because, you know, you're not right about everything, you know, like right. you need to have that, you know, back and forth and conversation about it just to make it more universal and just really at the end of the day, make it the best song that it can be. Yeah. And the good news is they, you know, lyrically, I feel like they didn't really, you know, there's a couple of things that were changed and like the melodies or, you know, help it make it uh, an amazing song and fit for radio at the same time. So it was a really good car and they just souped it up, which is awesome. Um, so we're running out of time, but I have two more questions for you. I wanted to ask you, I know there's probably a million people that you'd want to work with, but I'm sure people are going to ask you in the next couple of days, months, years, who do you want to work with? Oh my gosh. Um, so for songwriters, I mean, the legendary Diane Warren, who has written like the, the older that I get, I'm realizing more and more of the music that she's creative and created and that I, I grew up listening to and didn't even know, like at that point I had no idea like, Oh, songwriters. And the more research I did, I'm like, she wrote this, she wrote that, like unbreak my heart, Tony Braxton. I, I have videos of me at four years old singing that song into a wooden spoon. And she's definitely someone I would like to work with. Um, you guys, I'm sure, you know, John Bellion from Long Island. He is, Number one, I actually have a very funny, being that we're on a Long Island podcast, I think this is very appropriate to tell this story quick. Yeah. Um, I love John Bellion. I followed, I started following him when I was probably, I want to say like 15, 16. Um, and I, I'm obsessed with him, but <laughs> there, <laughs> oh God, I was in the city during Christmas time about two and a half years ago with my boyfriend and his two friends. And we just went to see the Christmas tree and do some fun stuff. And then like last minute, we decided to go to a Nets-Knicks game. So yeah. we took the train into Brooklyn. We saw the game, drinking all day. So, and I'm 98 pounds, I'm four foot 11, I'm very happy. <laughs> but I tend to try and drink beer like a guy. So <laughs> at this point after the game, we're at Ronkonkoma, uh, we're at Jamaica train station, transferring over to the Long Island Railroad. And my boyfriend goes, Raquel, that's John Millian as we're walking. And I am like, shut up. And I'm like, no, shut up. And he goes, no, it's really John. And I look up, he's wearing this like long pea coat. And 
I lost my mind. <laughs> I was drunk and I was like starstruck and I literally went up to him and I was like, I know you. Like, you, wait, you fan I know him? you and I love you. <laughs> and I probably weirded him out. Um, but he's definitely someone as a writer producer that I would love to collaborate, uh, collaborate with Taylor Swift. I love, I think she's an incredible writer. Um, Alina Baraz, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She's this crazy, crazy, like soul R&B artist, uh, Billie Eilish, like definitely, you know, that's dreaming big for sure. But, uh, that's And her brother is amazing too. Oh yeah. Phineas, he's... Oh my God, uh, she, Ash, just the, the song that he just released with Ash, um, uh, what's the song that she did? Uh, the Moral of the Story. She's just taking off with that song. She's another incredible songwriter. Um, there's just so many people, but those are definitely, and then I would love to write a song for Jennifer Lopez, my, my movie mama. Okay. That is <laughs> well, you like to talk about the question of legacy. Um, we're, we're on this podcast, we ask all of our guests, how do you, want to be remembered as an artist you know what are some of the things that you hope people will say you know Raquel is this Raquel was that and that would make you happy I think I would I would feel most accomplished and and happy within myself if people remembered me as honest and relatable um I feel like in today's generation there's a lot of people that are very successful whether it's in the music industry or just you know public figures and I think that today's generation, there's not a lot of role models that express authenticity and, and make, especially like young girls, like feeling like they could be friends with that person. Like it, 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 there's just no sense of realism anymore. And I just definitely want to show my heart and, you know, I'm goofy, I'm awkward. And like, I am sometimes like crazy and but that's who I am. And I feel like sometimes people put this persona on to just think that, you know, just, just to portray an image that they think people want to see. But I just hope that people, when they see me, they, they feel my heart and they hear my words and they are, it's something that they can relate to and something that, um, you know, could, could change their life as, as much as it changes mine. That's awesome. Well said. Raquel, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're super proud of you. Uh, you're representing Long Island well. We're so happy that you got your song chosen and you know, we know the sky's the limit for you. So we'll be watching you along the way and hopefully you check in with us once in a while and, uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. But if people, so yeah, people want to follow you, uh, what's the, what's your social media handles? So my Instagram is Raquel X Castro I'm working on changing that, <laughs> but someone has Raquel Castro. Um, Twitter is Raquel Castro. And then I think, uh, Facebook is official Raquel Castro. So those are all of the platforms that I, I use mostly on Instagram though. So that's the awesome. best way for me. Awesome. Thank you, Raquel. Appreciate Thank you guys so much. Let's stay in touch. You guys are great. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on. This is the warm up podcast. Peace, man. <laughs>